Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Montana, welcome in. Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Radio. Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television. If you see, I voted. Go ahead and vote. I uh, filled out my ballot yesterday. I think ballots are in the mail, so should be lots of action going on all around the state of Montana. So, you know, it's your civic duty. If you want to live in a free democracy, participate. It'll be fun, I promise. This is your one-stop shop for all things sports, though, not politics. Just pointing it out just in case you are watching on TV. If you're not and you want to see my sticker... Go to the YouTube channel, N-U-A-N-E-Z. We'll get you there. Please subscribe to it. If you do subscribe to it, let us know because that's part of what you need to do to enter into our fall giveaway. We'll get to that here in just a little while. We want to listen to this show somewhere besides on the radio. Go to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. 
or if you want to participate, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. All guests join us via the Rankish Brothers RV phone line. A lot to get to today here on a Monday. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, will be in studio with me in just a minute. So I'm just walking. So he'll be making his way in here. And we'll get things kicked off with the Montana Football Hour, which is all things college football, high school football, and everything in between the first hour of each Monday's show here on Nuanas Now. So we get to that here in just a minute. And then also our good friend Marty Morningweg. It's the Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty. He'll swing by to talk uh, all things NFL with us. And then if you hadn't heard, another. They keep piling up. Another big win for the Grizz hockey team. So Tucker Sargent was actually in studio with me this morning. So he, uh, we recorded a little something. But a unbelievable, unforgettable, dare I say, epic comeback by the University of Montana's hockey team against Montana State on Friday, trailing 4-1 to in the third period, came all the way back and posted a 5-4 to victory. So uh, we'll hear from Tucker, the general manager of the Grizz hockey team, uh, about 5.30 today. We are coming to you live from the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport, new to Montana, new to Missoula, corner of Stevens and Mount here in the Garden City. You can also find them online at nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com msrocks.com. Let's dive into it. The Montana Football Hour presented by Stockman Bank and Brett's RV and Marine. We're going to talk all things about domes today. I decided that's all we really need to, to oh, know about. Oh, my gosh. Really? I, I can't. I can't. We're not even going to go there. Oh. I, don't, I don't even. We're going to keep it nice and positive and have some fun today. <laughs> the results. Let's start with the results. That's a better place to start than asking coaches about playing in domes. Ah, sometimes I just get so frustrated in the situations we get into. But regardless, here we are with you. And uh, let's talk about what actually went down over the weekend. My first time all year that I got to cover both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies in the same weekend. It was a lot of driving. It was a lot of fun. And I thoroughly enjoyed myself, both my trip down to Ogden on Friday, as well as my afternoon on a beautiful Missoula day, Washington Grizzly Stadium on Saturday. Montana State, Friday night in Ogden. 13-7 13-7 victory. Bobcats are now 4-0 in Big Sky Conference play. 6-1 overall. And uh, they continue to roll six victories in a row. That loss also pushes Weber State to the brink. Uh, I think they're on the outside of the playoff picture looking in right now. And another loss, they're certainly out of the playoff picture altogether. And they still have a game at Eastern Washington. They still have to play Eastern Washington as well. And they're pretty banged up. And so we'll get into that game here in just a minute. And then on Saturday... A historic victory for Sacramento State, 28-21 Washington Grizzly Stadium. First time Sac State has ever won in Missoula, their 13th trip to the Garden City. And so Sac State also remains undefeated in Big Sky Conference play. They're now 3-0 in league, and Montana has lost two in a row in league play. They're 1-2 in Big Sky Conference play. So, Riley, let's start with the game that you were at. Riley, of course, the voice of the Grizz, joining me here in studio. And uh, there's a ton of analysis to get to in this game that just the you know, sort of uh, the in-depth nature of what went down, what why is Montana struggling in certain elements of the game? We'll get to that in a minute, but just your broad reaction from Sacramento State's win in Missoula on Saturday. You know, a couple of things. I think obviously disappointment comes to mind. We just come to expect this Montana team to roll at home, and they have. I mean, their last home loss came over a 1,000 days ago when Montana State came in here and won. Besides that, 
there hasn't even been a game that's been close here in Missouri. Sure. Every win's been by 17 or more during that home winning streak. So when Stack, Sac State came in initially, scored the first touchdown, this team is not built, at least right now, not built to play from big-time deficits. And sure. I felt that was probably the way that maybe the game plan would get off kilter a little bit. And Sac State came in motivated. It's absolutely, you could imagine. They were a team that was receiving votes. And this is a, a byproduct of maybe the FCS not getting covered on a national basis, really. I mean, it's almost impossible to do, but very difficult for a place like Sac State. They beat Dixie State by 12, and everyone overreacts to that saying, Okay, well, maybe they're just not as good as we thought. They have a ton of talent across the board. Ton I mean, talent and also excellent coaches. Excellent coaching, and I think that we're going to get into that. Co- Coach Halkel admitted as well. Troy Taylor came in here. What a phenomenal game plan. And, what a phenomenal game plan on both sides. Andy Thompson was maybe the MVP of that game. He was. Andy Thompson, Craig Paulson, what they were able to do. I guess long story short, we're going to get into this. Montana's lost their edge. They've lost the swagger that they built after beating Washington, yep. after going into eastern Washington and They feel they outplayed the Eagles for three quarters. And then the way the fourth quarter happened, both teams' seasons have completely flipped. And I think that you're seeing an offense right now that wants to be confident behind Chris Brown, but clearly is not. They don't have the same type of juice right now offensively. And defensively, I think you could say for the first time in a full game this year, they looked human. They looked mortal a little bit. So that's kind of my broad analysis of it. I'm curious to get your take as well. I mean, I have the headset on, and, and we look at it through sometimes a different lens, Greg Sumberg and I in the booth, but your initial thoughts from uh, the, the win for Sac State. Well, first of all, credit where credit is due. I think that my uh, Sacramento State, um, they had a phenomenal game plan, but they also executed it very, very well. They are having a lot of fun right now. I think that's one of the things that's given them an edge uh, at a place where it's kind of hard to find an edge. And 11 wins in their last 12 Big Sky Conference games, that doesn't lie. I mean, the only Big Sky Conference game Troy Taylor has ever lost is when Kevin Thompson, his Golden Boy quarterback from 2019, got knocked out against Weber State. Other than that, they have not been beaten in Big Sky Conference play since Troy Taylor's been there. He's sort of the mad scientist. He's outside of the box. He's not really in the fraternity, so to speak, but he's got a couple guys that have been in the fraternity for a long time in uh, Andy Thompson and, and Craig Paulson. And you make no mistake, a. Thompson's a great defensive coordinator. I, in fact, actually think he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the Big Sky Conference, maybe the best. Uh, certainly his experience gives him a leg up on a lot of uh, the other competition, so to speak, in, in that title. But Andy Thompson played on the 2001 National Championship team. Andy Thompson was in town to hang out with his college buddies. There's no question that he had it dialed uh, uh, in an effort to display his product to the people he hadn't seen in a really long time. Like, what a better place to call one of your best games. And granted, again, it's against a Grizz team that has some problems on the offensive line right now, that has a freshman quarterback, that is playing their fifth or sixth string guy who happens to be a 5'10", 170-pound true freshman receiver at running back. So I'm not trying to make excuses for the Grizz, but the Grizz are shorthanded. That in itself is a fact. But what a display by Andy Thompson to come into Missoula and – show off his product at perhaps the best level it's ever been. I mean, Andy Thompson came to Missoula 10 times when he was at Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona, as we know, famously, historically, laughably, never could ever beat Montana when Jerome Sowers was the head coach. This was Andy Thompson's first time around in his new gig, which is a different gig. I mean, he's the head coach of the Sac State defense. Troy Taylor answered a question in this, which we'll hear from him in just a minute, where he's like, yeah, dude, I don't look at what when the defense is on the field. I'm the offensive coordinator. I'm working with the offense. So what a display by Andy Thompson to get that done. They were ready to go from the outset. And you could look at 
all three layers of the defense, and they won. They absolutely won throughout the course of 60 minutes. The game plan was designed, obviously, to limit the big play and to just prevent it altogether. And I think that that is where we're going to get to as well from maybe the lack of the Grizz throwing it down the field. Well, you can say it's a little bit, well, Chris Brown needs to make better decisions or he didn't have enough time. At the end of the day, Andy Thompson saw all of this and just took away the strengths from Montana. Montana Football Hour here on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as SWX Montana Television. The Montana Football Hour is presented in part by Stockman Bank of Montana. At Stockman Bank, they invite you to experience the Stockman difference. As a family-owned community bank with locations throughout Montana, Stockman Bank is committed to enriching the lives of Montanans and helping communities succeed. What that means to you is your money stays in the local economy supporting your friends and neighbors. Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz, in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. We do the Montana Football Hour, the first hour of each Monday show. Football heavy, of course, college football heavy after a couple big-time Big Sky Conference games for the Montana schools. Let's hear from Troy Taylor, as well as Jake Dunaway, Sacramento State quarterback, and Marcus Hawkins, Sac State linebacker. Dunaway threw three touchdowns. The dual quarterback, but more importantly, the dual running back system for Sacramento State gave Montana fits. We'll hear from Bobby Houck and Jace Lewis as to why here in the second segment. But Troy Taylor, Jake Dunaway, the quarterback, Marcus Hawkins, the linebacker slash rover. He plays kind of all over the place for Sacramento State. They answered a couple questions uh, following the game on Saturday afternoon into the evening. Marcus Hoggins, by the way, one of the plays of the game where he made a leaping interception right in the end zone after Sac State had muffed the punt. We're going to get into that, too. A lack of capitalization of opportunities for the Grizz, to me, other than the injuries, that's the story of the season. But here's Troy Taylor, his quarterback, Jake Dunaway, and his captain linebacker, Marcus Hawkins. Your first time ever watching Grizzly State, but that's Sac State's first win ever here. So just talk about the win and what it took for your guys to get this victory. Yeah, our, our team's resilient. You know, there were many a times where the game could have turned one way or another, and it did. Uh, we talked about playing through the ebbs and flows. Um, you know, obviously a, a difficult place to play. Um, it wasn't understated, or I'm sorry, it wasn't overstated. People talked about this place and uh, the energy and the fans, and uh, they were in it. They were in it the whole game. So um, great challenge against a really good team and a really well-coached team, and just couldn't be more proud of our, our guys. Jake, you talk about the opening drive. You guys looked pretty sharp right out the gates and never trailed after you scored on that first possession. Yeah, I mean, we just wanted to start fast and, you know, just execute everything we'd been working on uh, throughout the week. And, you know, we wanted to come out and punch them in the mouth, you know, and set the tempo. Um, I feel like every time you start with the ball, that's your number one goal and, and obviously put points on the board. So I uh, just want to start fast and then keep that energy throughout the whole game. Marcus, what were you guys able to do to limit Montana? It seemed like particularly rushing the passer, you guys had a hell of a day. Mm, yeah, I mean, we just we executed what we called. Um, everything we did in practice, we trans- transformed over here. Um, we played a great game. That's about it. Coach, can you talk about Coach Thompson's game plan? And, uh, yeah. I mean, this is a big weekend for him in a lot of ways, but, I mean, he might have been the MVP of your Oh, I mean, he is. I've today. said since uh, you know we've just met each other when I hired him I knew who he was but um, he's the smartest football guy that I've been around I've been around some really really smart guys and uh, there's nobody smarter than him and the plan he put together um, and his composure how he gets the most out of his guys uh, he's always looking for a, for a, a way to, to help his guys he's not one of those coaches that just blames the players he's always trying to find a different way so um, he's 
you know, he's as valuable as they get in our program. And, he, and an even better person, and a great Grizzly, obviously. Coach, your own offensive game plan, I mean, everybody tries to mitigate the impact of Montana's pass rush. I think they only had one sack today. How are you able to keep them all balanced, get the ball out quickly? Yeah, I mean, a very aggressive team, um, very active, and so they present a lot of challenges. It was... Uh, um, definitely a challenge preparing for them, but to be honest with you, we just we're always going to do our stuff with the little wrinkles here and there, and um, you know pass protection. They did a, we did a great job. Um, part of that is also on the quarterbacks, you know, getting rid of the football, and not holding on to it. So it's a it's a two way deal. Um, but uh, really talented team and a, and, a, and, and a very aggressive and difficult on defense. Uh, they're a huge challenge. Did you notice Montana try anything different on offense throughout the game, or were they going back to a lot of the same stuff? You know, i got to be completely honest. I, I really focus on the defensive side of the ball. I'm the court offense coordinator, so I, I have great trust for our defensive staff. Uh, I've watched a limited amount of stuff on them on offense. I, got, I had my hands full on the other side of the ball. So there you go, Troy Taylor and a couple of his guys after a 28-21 victory in Missoula over Montana, just the third ever win by Sacramento State over the Grizz, their first win ever in Missoula. It is the Montana Football Hour here on Nuanas Now. I'm Coulter Nuanas, Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz, joining me in studio. We do this for the first hour of each week here on Monday from 4 to 5 p.m. Always appreciate Riley for being here. We're going to get back into the analysis of the whys for the Grizz because I know a ton of people that are listening to this show want to know because it is a little bit perplexing what's going on. But I watched the game back twice yesterday, so I have a little bit of analysis to give you. But first, we're going to circle back around to Friday night's game on ESPNU between Weber State and Montana State. First and foremost, Twitter was hilarious on Friday night. There's a cap- is it not? That's true. But there's a captive audience when it's a Friday night game, and so then you have a whole bunch of people that – might not even be rooting for. In fact, a lot of times we're probably rooting against both the teams that are playing, but they're watching. And so we had Eastern Washington and Idaho and Montana and Montana State and all these people tweeting. And uh, it was pretty funny, the commentary. I heard things like, was this the worst football game I've ever seen? Uh, Am I in the twilight zone? How is the game on repeat? I mean, it was run up the middle, run up the middle, failed third and long, punt. The team's had seven consecutive three and outs. I've never actually seen that within a game. A total of uh, 22 first downs in this game. A total of three third downs converted in the entire game. All that said, if you like offense, you like fantasy football, you like all that stuff, this game was not for you. This game was made for me. This was my dream game. I loved it. The first half lasted one hour and one minute. It was Phenomenal With national TV timeouts. That's uh, almost impossible. I'm sitting here sweating from the time the game kicked off because I have to drive home. I'm sitting here thinking I'm going to be driving home at sunrise and the sun doesn't come up until 7.30 these days. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die on Saturday. I'm going to get zero hours of sleep. I'm not going to be able to function. And instead, the football gods did me a favor. This thing got hour, over about two hours faster than I thought it was going to. All that aside, though, phenomenal line play, particularly by the defensive fronts of these two teams. I thought the teams flew around in the football I thought that uh, at the end of the day, though, Montana State beat Weber in its own game. They got themselves a two-field goal lead, and then they didn't try to run anything on offense. They just tried to milk the clock because they knew their defense was playing that good. Chase Benson, Daniel Hardy up front, unbelievably impressive for Montana State. I watched this game, obviously, as I was getting ready to put the head to the pillow for Saturday morning's interview with Coach Uh Halkin at AM. But the first question that I I wanted to ask you, and I didn't even bug you on Friday night because I knew you had a lot of stuff going on, but... 
Was this a byproduct of more good defense, bad offense, combination of both? I think it was a, the, the most, the biggest byproduct was great defensive play up up front. These are these are two outstanding front sevens. I was actually telling uh, one of the guys I was sitting with in the press box that I was I, I'm actually really really pleasantly surprised with the front seven play by some of the best front sevens in the league. I knew that Montana State Montana would both be pretty good. They've been really good. I think a part of it is the extra training time. These guys are stronger than they've ever been before. They're bigger than they've ever been before. I mean, Jace, Chase Benson is like 24 years old, man. Like, dude has been in a college weight training program for six years now. That is a huge advantage, man. You give Troy Anderson a, a, two extra years, I mean, that that's a huge physical advantage. A guy like Daniel Hardy, he was too skinny to play with his hand in the dirt. You give him 20 extra months of training, he can put on 30 pounds and actually get to the, the weight he needs. So I think, number one, incredible defensive play up, up front by both squads. I thought that the Scheiss brothers for Weber State, absolutely as advertised. Those dudes are so good. I thought Connor Mortensen for Weber, man, that guy can run. He runs as well as any linebacker that doesn't play for Montana I've seen in the league. So I thought it was good. Also, though, both offenses definitely leave something to be desired. Well, Weber State, right, it's perplexing because they went 97 yards down the field to open the game. You're thinking, okay. 13 days off, they're off a bye, they figured something out, they go down the field, then nothing. Like, not even close to anything the rest of the way. I mean, I want to know this, Lewis. You're you're a play by play guy that sees this stuff all the time. I I think that there is uh, a giant trend going on. Like, 75% of the time in a college football game these days, the first team that gets the ball scores. Yes. And if they don't score the whole rest of the game, Washington Huskies score on their very first drive of the game. Eastern Washington score on their very first drive of the game. Sac State. Sac State, very first drive of the game. Weber State, very first drive of the game. And then they literally did nothing. They had 97 yards on their first drive and 90 yards the whole rest of the game. What does that go to show you about scripting? Because we all talk about, okay, coaches script out. And that's fantastic because that means that your seven days or five days of prep leading up to that game is phenomenal. But it also goes to show me, What's going on with in-game adjustments? Because sure. that's what we talk. Greg and I talk about that a lot in the booth, but that's the that's my first takeaway. How are there no adjustments offensively, or even more so, are the defensive coordinators that good that they see it one time and go, okay, we're going to change the picture, which I know we're going to talk about that term a little bit too. I think that that's how the D coordinators are playing chess. They're saying, hey, we're going to play base. We're going to show you nothing. No alignment adjustments, no stunts, no blitzes, no coverages. We're going to let you do what you do. We're going to see what you're trying to do. And then we're going to make the next chess move and try to stay a step ahead of you. I think you're so spot on with that, too. And it's a trend that, obviously, I mean, we should go do that. I'll go do this throughout the last week and just go see first drive percentage scores because I feel it's way up, right? Way up. It's got to be way up. And then, I don't know, it's kind of like you're gambling on, okay, if they, we're going to show them base. If I'm talking about defensive coordinator side of right. things. And if they don't score, we really got them where we want them. That's the craziest part about watching the Grizz is the first drive – Always, if the other team has the ball. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that the opponent has started with the ball in every game. Every single game. Because Bobby Houck either defers or the, the other team picks to receive, and right? He, yes, and it, it's weird to me that he's one of the only ones that does that. It is weird to me, too. Yes, because, I, I mean, in the NFL, always, and I know there's a lot of comparisons, college and NFL, everyone always defers in the NFL. They want in the third quarter. It yeah. seems like that. But, yes, Montana's well, But if defense, you're Bobby Houck, though, if you're playing at home especially, oh, yeah. you absolutely want your defense. You want your kick team on the field first. Yes, because then, you know, Levi Janikaro is going to go blow something up, people are juiced, and then boom, the defense is rolling. And let's just call it what it is. You put your best unit on the field first. That's, that's right. It, and that's what Montana is has been doing. Their defense has started on the field first every game this year. Yeah, yeah. 
But regardless, it is funny to watch their defense early because they don't blitz at all. And then the second possession is just swarm. So regardless, back to the Bobcat game. They put an unbelievable amount of pressure on Weber State. They didn't let him run at all. They knocked Josh Davis out, which, by the way, I'm not a doctor, but he ain't coming back anytime soon, man. It was really, really, really bad. It was one where he got hit, and even the Montana State players were waving the trainers. I mean, you could see the tears. I mean, I don't want to exploit the kid too bad. It was really, really, really bad. And so I think he's out for the foreseeable future. And that's too bad because he obviously, I mean, a team that needs offense, Josh Davis is their best offensive player. Without a question. And he has been really for a while, you could say, as far as explosive consistency across the board. And I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here too, but that turf down in Ogden, oh buddy. not conducive no, we, to players. We I was talking about this with, with Dan Ingram from University of Montana Athletic Department. We were catching up a little bit after the Grizz game, and uh, we were saying, man, like, the, the variability of turf is tough, man. It's tough. Uh, I, there needs to be, and I'm not calling out just big sky teams. I think across right. the country there should be turf uh, Baselines, Like, you should have to have the, this turf. Everybody should have to have standards, basically. Yes, and you have it from wide range of spectrum here where Weber State's is more like concrete and that you look at Eastern Washington's and it's more spongy because it's newer and you saw a lot of injuries in that Eastern Washington Absolutely. game. So it, it's, it's across the board, but yes, our thoughts are with Josh Davis. That was nasty. Juan is now ESPN Radio. It's the Montana Football Hour. Diagnosing and going through the Montana loss to Sacramento State and Montana State's win at Weber State. Let's hear from a guy who played a big part in that win for the Bobcats. He's Ty Okada. We play a lot of coach sound around here. Coaches are the faces of the program. We like to play some player sound, too, from time to time. I particularly like just to have the guys on the show because then we can just have a little fun and, and have a little banter, a little back and forth. But let's be frank here. Ty Okada's the most entertaining dude on the Cats. He's playing at a great at an all-league level right now, and so he's justified in getting these press conference interviews. But also, if I'm at a game, I'm requesting this dude because uh, he just explains it really well. So here's Ty Okada a couple seconds after Montana State's 13-7 win at Weber State. As we were just telling each other, that's our job. You know, we play defense for Montana State. We pride ourselves on our tough, hard-nosed defense. We're going to play fast. We're going to play physical. And it's, it's just what we do. That's the expectation is that we, if they have the ball, we're going to go out there and stop them. Outplayed the best defensive team in the conference. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, how, how much confidence does that give you? I mean, I mean we, we knew there was a new sheriff coming into town. So that's, you know, that's no surprise to us. But it definitely boosts our confidence. But we're not surprised at all. Ranked win, uh, you know, on the road on the short week. Um, is that, I mean, how excited are you guys to be able to overcome all of those obstacles? Super pumped. I mean, I I knew we were ready. You know, come Sunday, which was our first practice, so we we normally get Sunday off. We came in and the electricity went down in the building as we as soon as we start watching film. And we're like, you know what? The cards are stacked against us, and nobody's complaining. Everyone's staying dialed. We, we we didn't use we didn't have any excuses all week. We, we ran with the punches, and so that's how I knew this team was going to come in. Us, we were going to come in prepared and ready to go, is because nobody was making any excuses. We could have made 20 different excuses. Oh, short week. Oh, they had an extra bye week. Nah, we're we're just going to come in and we're going to get the W by any means. I got back into the locker room and I was talking to Jeff, and that was you know we came in and he was like, that's to make up for Wyoming. Because as a defense, we had an opportunity to stop them. We didn't, and we knew we should have. So we came back this game, and we took care of business, and it, it, that didn't feel good. Ty Okada, Montana State junior safety. He had 11 tackles and a tackle for loss. Bobcats, I'm actually sort of disputing this. Sometimes I think that tackles for loss and sacks get counted a little bit inaccurately. 
the half sack thing is a big point of contention for me. I think that if you get the guy down and then someone piles on, I don't think you should get a half sack because that robs from the guy who got there first. Regardless, all I'm saying is official statistics credited Montana State for five sacks. I thought they had six sacks. I thought Daniel Hardy had four sacks, not three. He was the Big Sky Conference Defensive Player of the Week. But regardless, Ty Okada, one of the uh, eight tackles for loss for Montana State Bobcats amongst his 11 tackles as the uh, MSU went to Ogden and posted a 13-7 victory at Weber State. Montana Football Hour presented in part by Brett's RV and Marine. Brett's RV and Marine is proud to be the largest of all Montana RV dealers. They showcase the best inventory in the state at volume discount prices. They also have an awesome service department that stands behind their products. Brett's RV and Marine been family-owned and operated for more than 50 years. So stop on by 4800 Grant Creek Road and start your next adventure with the premier RV dealer in Montana. How much does momentum matter, especially when you play the style the Grizzlies play? How confusing was Sacramento State's two-back sets? And how does Montana State keep this momentum rolling? All that and more here on the Montana Football Hour. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Montana State notched the first signature win of the Brent Vegan era, while Montana suffered a historic home loss on Saturday. Hello, I'm Coulter Nuanez. Saturday afternoon in Missoula, Sacramento State posted a 28-21 victory over the Grizzlies, marking the first time in 13 all-time games at Washington Grizzly Stadium that the Hornets posted a win. Sac State's dual quarterback system gave the Grizz fits all afternoon, hoping the Hornets roll up 462 yards of total offense as Sac State spoiled a game that doubled as the 20th anniversary celebration of Montana's last national championship team. Jared Gibson caught a pair of 24-yard touchdowns in the third quarter that proved to be the difference on the scoreboard. The Sac State defense gave up 272 yards of total offense, including just 84 on the ground, while piling up four sacks and forcing two turnovers to move to 11-1 against Big Sky Conference teams under head coach Troy Taylor as Sac moved to 3-0 in league play. Montana is 1-2 with trips to rival Idaho on the horizon. Montana State went on the road and posted a gritty 13-7 win over Weaver State in Ogden on Friday night. The Bobcats posted five sacks, including four by Daniel Hardy and MSU forced two fumbles while holding the Wildcats to just four second-half first downs on the way to MSU's sixth straight victory. The Bobcats are now 4-0 in league play, 6-1 overall, while Weber, the four-time defending Big Sky champions, are 1-2 in league, 2-4 overall. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. Happy Monday. Hope you had a phenomenal weekend. I put about 1,200 miles on the car, and I loved every second of it. It's Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Radio. It's Montana Football Hour, which is presented to you in part by Stockman Bank. 
We bank with Stackman. You receive personalized customer service and your phone calls always answered by a live person. Their highly skilled and personable bank staff is dedicated to making it easy for you to fulfill all your financial needs. Riley Corcoran joining me, Colter Nuanas, in studio here on the Montana Football Hour. Riley, the voice of the Grizz for his day job and also my co-host for this phenomenal segment each and every Monday. And uh, Riley, let's keep on going on this Grizz game. Montana loses 28-21. Sacramento State, Sac State's first win uh, over Montana in Missoula. I see you get the box score up there. This was a point of much consternation in the press box on Saturday. I'm not going to uh, let's I don't even want to go down this rabbit hole too much because it makes me so mad. But for whatever reason, there's been like this national mandate to change the t- the statistical oh, system brutal. for all these uh, websites for colleges. It ain't working for anybody. The box score Riley's got up says the final score was 28-27. Nobody could figure it out. This was half of the people that are working at this game were trying to figure out how to fix this the whole time. It's so annoying. All these school websites trying to uh, rehash historical stats, it's not happening. The archives are gone. It took me like two hours to figure out how many kicks were returned for touchdowns when Bobby Haug was the head coach at UNLV. That should be like a 17-second exercise. And it took me hours to figure it out because the stats aren't anywhere. Anyways, I digress. It, the NCAA is trying to make it all compatible for everybody, and it's just turned into a disaster. And what happened here, why it says 28-27, is the Keelan White touchdown on the punt return that was called back. It always counted it counted as a touchdown, and they couldn't go back and rehash it. So, oh, geez. I mean, it, re, long story short, yes, it, it's been an utter disaster. I'm glad you story. brought us to that because that's where I want to start. This is, uh, let's see, this is my... Ninth season covering Bobby Houck in his 10 at Montana. Granted, when I was first doing it, I was just writing features at the Montana Cabin, so it wasn't really beat reported. But I've been around him and his style and, and watched so many games. I was thinking, actually, on Saturday when they said it was Sac State's 13th trip ever to Missoula, I was thinking, man, I wonder if I've seen every one of the Sac State games. I bet you have. What was the first year? Because '96 was, I think '97 was the first year. But I started going to Grizz games right when I was around 10. My family's not from here, so we didn't really know about the whole Grizz thing or the Bobcat thing or anything like anything like that. But then my neighbor got tickets. I started going with him in like fifth grade. But I, I, I reckon that I probably saw every every Sac State game in '94 or '95 was their first yeah. ever time coming here. So I, I bet you that you have. It is close. So, it's wild because they never won here. But if you Look just a bit inside the numbers, which you know I like to do. Of of those 12 losses, there were seven that were by 30 points or more, and there were five that were within a touchdown. So it's either really close or they get blown out of the water. And you kind of had that sense. There's also a flawed narrative that Sac State has been this bottom feeder in the Big Sky Cowards. They have not at all, especially the last 10 years. They had one bad year with Jody Sears, and that was the year they came up here and it was 68-7 or something Right, right. But within two years, they were in the playoff mix. Sears was the coach of the year. I mean, Marshall Spurbeck had winning seasons there. Jody Sears had a winning season there, and Troy Taylor won the Big Sky there. So Sac State has always – there's always been this narrative that they're like that, but they're not – they're nowhere close to the bottom of what most – there's a lot of other teams that have been far worse than Sac State for a lot longer. Well, I think the the best way to put this is that Troy – they've been close. They've been on the verge, let's just say, and Troy Taylor has gotten them over the hump. Where now they're recruiting a different type of player. No question. Okay, Sac Sac State's legit. They're in the top 15, top 20 in the country. Well, then they've always had guys that – I mean – the best player at Sac State has been one of the 10 best, ten or 15 best players in the league for the duration of my time covering the Big Sky because they get guys from the city. I mean, 
Garrett Saffron was an unbelievable player. DeAndre Carter's still scoring touchdowns in the NFL. How about Obina? George I mean, Obina. George Obina. I mean, Todd Davis started for your Denver Broncos for like yeah. three or four years. I mean, he's not just like on a roster. He's a starting middle linebacker in the NFL. Darnell Sankey was on rosters for a long time. So regardless, we digress. Covering Bobby Houck, as I have, and watching his teams play. The style and system Coach Houck employs is to win as a team. And he doesn't highlight individuals nearly like most other coaches in the league, both from a play calling or a narrative perspective. That That is the style of the team. All for one, one for all. That said, Coach Houck and his staff scheme up and or expect multiple little opportunities in games that turn into massive swings in momentum. They'll always dial up something in the kicking game. They'll always send a block on a punt or something like that. Or, you know, Coach Hack will get in the middle of a kickoff huddle and say, this is the moment where we change the game. Or like against South Dakota State in 09, where he just throws Mariani back there for a kick return. Boom, he houses it. First kick return he'd had in two years. He, he's always the punt guy, but a, a kick return. Or, you know, there's these moments where when the opportunity is there, you have to seize it. You mentioned Keelan White's touchdown that got called back. Missed opportunity. White also had a couple other good returns, including one deep into Sac State territory. The Grizz don't capitalize. They get three instead of seven. There's the muffed punt by B.J. Perkinson from Sac State. Grizz recover. Pick on the very next play. What I'm saying is the moments that the Grizz need to seize are still within the game. They have been all season long. This team just isn't seizing them. If they fix that element and that element alone, their youth, their injuries, and all that could be overcome by the momentum that they can do, they, they can change games with. But we have seen it over and over again this year, whether it was a pick in the fourth quarter against Eastern or just lack of execution in, in certain areas where you have these opportunities. Montana is simply not seizing the opportunity. I think it's really as simple as that. That's a really good way of putting it because I know and coming from me, this will sound like sour grapes. And, oh, yeah, of course you'd say that. But two red zone interceptions – off of momentum-based plays have been the difference between Montana being undefeated and maybe the number one team in the country in a different narrative than where they're sitting right now looking for answers, wondering where some Grizz fans are going, can they get that swagger and edge back to capitalize on these momentum-changing plays? And you mentioned it. Coach Houck designs the special teams for these kind of moments. And I thought the most deflating factor of that game was after the muff punt, to throw a pick the very next play. You, yep. you have to capitalize on it. You can go through all the yardage numbers and, and everything that we can break down on a box score. When was the last time? This could be a fun stat to look up. When was the last time a Coach Houck team forced three turnovers and got zero points off of those three turnovers? That, that to me, there's a lot of stats. Third, nine for 15 for Sac State on third down. That was a huge one because we haven't seen that from the Grizz defense. But the single fact of no points off three Sac State turnovers when you're set up in great field position. That was the difference in the game for me. Let's hear from Bobby Houck. Following Saturday's loss to Sacramento State here in Missoula, it's the Montana Football Hour, which is presented in part by Brett's RV and Marine. Brett's RV and Marine, family-owned and operated for more than 50 years. Come in and enjoy shopping in their extensive RV parts and accessories department and find out what makes Brett's RV and Marine the number one RV dealer in Montana, Bobby Houck following Montana's loss to Sac State. You know, good by them, um, not as good by us. Thought we had a good week of preparation. Uh, I like our football team. I like our toughness. I like our effort level. I like our competitiveness. 
Uh, I thought we had a great week of preparation. We were focused all week long and into the game, and uh, we just got to play better. Coach, prepared for the, the two quarterback system. I mean, once you saw it live, what sort of challenges does it present, and what sort of challenges specifically today did the two quarterback system for Sack present? Well, they, they gave us a greatly higher percentage of two back offense. Um, you know, it, it was skewed way uh, the other way from what the breakdown was. Uh, nothing really new. I don't know how many times Jason and I were talking. I don't know how many times they ran ran the option play, the speed option. Um, but that was that's a bit of a changeup form generally, and it was a staple form today. So you know the the, the two back stuff, um, and I think this will be the comment across the board that um, our inexperience shows sometimes when the, when the picture changes for us a little. You mentioned the young personnel. How, how challenging is it for you know, freshman quarterback and a lot of freshman skill players to operate things like two-minute drills? I mean, you had a two-minute drill at the end of the half, two-minute drill at the end of the game. I mean, how challenging is it for those young guys that have never seen it before? Yeah, I mean, we, we practice that a lot, you know, so we, we should be good at that. And, you know, the ones in the first half was, was pretty good. And we got the field goal as I busted Sean's chops at halftime about. He said, no touchdowns. I said, yeah, your math is great, Sean. Nice job. Can't uh, divide six by seven. But, you know, they, we, we practice that a lot. I don't know. I, I don't know. If I, had, shoot, if I had the answers to some of these questions, we'd be happier right now. Well, one other thing, just the pass protection. What's the biggest challenge you guys are facing right now in protecting Chris Brown? Um, I think generally the protection's pretty solid um it's, it's been pretty good uh it's pretty solid i think uh you know i'll have to look at it but i think sometimes we're we're not uh it's not the ball's either not coming out quick enough or we're we're not trusting that protection rather than it being a protection breakdown now at the end there's a couple we got beat um you have a lot of young guys who have to grow up early right now but last week you said uh, you wanted to see your offense step up. Do you feel like you saw that as we came across today? Yeah, we made some plays. Um, yeah, we made some plays. It just, you know, when you when you come up short, it's not good enough. It's not good enough by anybody. And then you, you know, look in the mirror. So it start that all starts with me. So if we're coming up short, whether it's on the scoreboard or any position, that's me. I gotta I gotta get it fixed. That's it's in the job description. There you go, accountability from Bobby Houck, Montana head coach. His team lost 28-21 to Sacramento State. It's now. It's the Montana Football Hour. Riley Corcoran joining me, Coulter Nuanas. I asked Coach Houck there about the protection, and I think that's something that's worth addressing, and we'll hash that out throughout the rest of the week as well. But, for example, Montana gets a fourth down stop, about 90 seconds left against Sac State. They get the ball back. On their second play then, Chris Brown uh, – has a clean pocket, but instead he rolls out outside of the pocket, and that allows the Sac State DN to flush him. Chris Brown has to throw the ball in the middle of the field to Junior Bergen on a check down. It's a one-yard gain. It gets Montana into a third and long, and the clock's running, and Montana has to waste a timeout. That in itself was a microcosm of what's going on here. What I see as somebody that watches and analyzes offensive line play is Montana's having a little bit of a hard time getting a push but not as bad as what it seems. They just don't have running backs that know how to read the inside zone. But then secondarily, even when they are running multiple tight end sets, their running backs are 
I guess at this point, that it's not even running backs plural, really. It's only Junior Bergen. And this is not his fault because this is not the expectation of what he was brought in to do. But he can't help out in pass protection at all. And the tight ends are hardly helping out at all as well. So then, even when you do have a clean pocket in pass protection, the quarterback is already gun-shy. Now he's rolling out. Chris Brown broke what was a clean pocket at least half a dozen times on Saturday. And so I think that it's nothing major that's happening to Montana. It's very many minor things that are then causing a major issue, which is a complete lack of functionality by the offense. But I do think, though, it is... uh, one thing leads to the next. I think that there's been a lot of narrative around Missoula and the Montana program uh, that many of the intrinsic problems are quarterback-driven. I don't think that that's true. I think that there's something missing in the offense, and I think it's across the board. But I also don't think it's some crazy catastrophe. I think that there's several different things that they could – small things that they could fix – that would then turn into a big thing. It's a domino effect, right? It's an absolute domino effect from the lack of having depth at running back to where you're bringing three tight ends in there just for protection, right? So what's that do at a very basic level, Coulter? He's got, what, two receivers that he has options at and then not maybe seeing it correctly? or or Well, and they are running some of the tight ends on on pass routes, which they should because Cole Grossman's a great uh, receiving option. But they also, their tight ends... Joey Owell is the only one that's really made to inline block at this exact moment of his development. I think that's hurting him a little bit, too. I think so, too. I mean, you still look at it, freshman. And we were talking about this. Coach Houck playing freshman, it's it's a tough nut to crack. I mean, yep. three tight ends, freshman. Three running backs that we've seen, freshman as well. But it's just unfair. And it's, quite frankly, it's just a little bit lazy to just point right at quarterback and say that those no are all the issues. Because, I mean, just like when they win and their success, it's all for one, one for all. Know what you said with Coach sure. It's the exact same scenario going mm-hmm. on right here, and it's a trickle-down effect, but it really goes down to this X factor off the field, off the X's and O's. There's no swagger. There's no edge. The offense is playing with confidence, obviously, even after they beat Washington. Western yep. Illinois, playing yep. with confidence. Cal Poly, all three phrases work together. They've lost that edge, and somebody... What do you look at when you need to get something back? You look at senior leadership. Yep. Offensively right now, the exception of Sammy Akem, you don't really have much senior leadership yep. outside. And I think that they're looking for answers. They're looking at somebody to want to step up, and they're going to need that to get that swagger and edge back. Well, I think the defense needs to lead the way in terms of getting that swagger and edge back as well. And, again, there are two different elements to this. There's a tangible element and an intangible element. The tangible element is what we're trying to diagnose from the X's and O's. The intangible element is a lot harder to define, but the defense seems, the Montana defense seems to be playing with a little less swagger as well. On Saturday, I think they were just completely crossed up. They talked pregame about preparing for Sac State's dual quarterback system. It was Sac State's dual running back system that really had the Grizz crossed up. Jace Lewis talked a little bit about that right after the game. Jace, Sac State getting a lot over the, in the middle of the field and uh, also were, they were able to slow down your pass rush a little bit. So what did they do offensively um, that sort of let them have success? Uh, yeah, I mean, they came out in two backs. I mean, we, we practiced after the week, but yeah, they slowed their pass rush down a little bit and we just got to play better on third downs too. Jason, I was just wondering, you know, what it's like for you guys on defense playing against the two quarterbacks, especially because, you know, they're right option with both of them, they're throwing with both of them, you know, it seemed like there was all that much you could key on. What was that like? I mean, because that's a, a unique thing to face. I thought it was totally different. Didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Good say that. Uh, I thought it was totally different. I mean, you don't really see that much. I mean, all week we, we knew they were going to play two quarterbacks, so 
wasn't really anything we knew that was going to happen. I mean, depending on who was in the game, 10 or 12, it was a different offense yeah. as planned. But. So there you go, Jason Lewis, and a little feedback from Bobby Houck as well. It's Montana Football Hour here on Nuana's Now 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Montana Football Hour presented in part by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank has 36 locations. They're only in Montana. It's for Montanans, by Montanans. They're only in Montana. They plan on keeping it that way. Let Stockman Banking show you Montana's brand of banking today. Riley Corcoran in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. He's the voice of the Grizz. A couple more thoughts on Montana State's win at Weber State and an analysis of how much the play count or the disparity in it is affecting the Grizzlies at the midpoint of their season. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com news. ESPN Radio. Give me the bridge now. I feel like busting loose. Busting loose. Give me the bridge now. I feel like busting loose. Busting loose now. Busting loose in the evening. Busting loose can be pleasing. What up? Welcome back. Happy Monday. Thanks so much for kicking it here with us. It's Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio. Montana Football Hour. We do this the first hour of each Monday show. Bradley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz, joins me for that four to five slot each Monday, recapping mostly, and in this case today, exclusively Grizzlies, Bobcats, and uh, maybe a little Big Sky Cowards as well. The Montana Football Hour is presented proudly by Brett's RV and Marine. Brett's RV and Marine has 75, count them, 75 RV and boat brands to choose from, offering the largest inventory under the big sky. Stop by 4800 Grant Creek Road to start your next adventure with the premier RV dealer in Montana. Look around the Big Sky Conference real quick before we have a couple final thoughts on both Montana's uh, loss to Sac State and Montana State's win at Weber. Idaho State, stick a fork in them, at least when it comes to the playoffs. They lose 31-10 to Portland State. The struggles continue for the Bengals. They are 1-5 now. Big win for Portland State. I'm not saying it keeps anything alive other than a, you know, a chase at respectability, but it's a good confidence builder for Portland State. The next one, uh, I got my new fancy iPad, so I always have a secondary game on in the press box. Do you like it, by the way? I do like it. Yep. I like it big time. Uh, we were having some belly laughs because I, uh, I had the Eastern Washington-Idaho game on. Oh, my gosh. And it just started... And it didn't end. The assault by the Eastern Washington offense. I mean, Eric Berrier had 600 yards passing on 23 completions. The dude's just chucking it. He had 300 yards passing in the first quarter. And the first time I looked, because I looked more sporadically during the Grizz games, 13 minutes to go in the first half, and they got 43 on the board. Berrier threw for 607. He didn't play in the fourth quarter. Yeah, wow. Unbelievable. 71-21, Eastern Washington over Idaho. 
I don't even know what you do if you're at OF for that one. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty tough losing by 50 when you actually score three times. Unbelievable. Uh, I thought the lack of effort on Idaho's part in the second half defensively was astounding. Uh, but we're not going to go down that road quite yet. We have a lot of preview of Idaho uh, throughout the rest of the week as Montana does head to Moscow this weekend. Northern Arizona, they let it up again as well. I think a program record for total yards in a game, and they beat Southern Utah 59-35. There's some teams with some real bad defenses in the big sky this year. My goodness. Uh, and then UC Davis back on track 32-3 to over Northern Colorado. So there you go. That's your big sky scoreboard. Nothing much to sneeze at besides Eastern's uh, continuation to pile up points. But a uh, couple last thoughts here, Riley, um, on the Montana schools. But I, I guess first, if you have anything to say about the big sky, well, anything sticks out. I, I just I just want to, for the record right now, because we were talking a little bit before the show started, on October 18th, how many big sky teams do you think are going to get in the playoffs? You think five. I, I, think, I think three. Five. I think five. I only think that because of a fundamental disrespect of the league. I agree with that, but I also feel that there are going to be five teams that have three losses or fewer, and that's sure. a byproduct of the schedule. Right. It's the, ha- the big sky this year may be more than ever, and it's shaping up. It's the haves and the have-nots. For sure. And the five teams that have it are going to finish either 11-0, 10-1, 9-2, or 8-3. So I just wanted that one for the record that I think that, especially with Sacramento State, they were kind of that team in between. Yeah. With their win now and their schedule where they have four really soft games before UC yep. Davis – they should easily go eight and three or better. Davis should be eight and three or better. Yep. Eastern looks great. The Grizz and the Cats look like playoff teams too. Yep. So I'm going with five. I just that'll be a fun topic on these Mondays the next couple weeks. I mean Idaho State can't find it at all, but they found it against the top ten UC Davis team. All I'm saying is that you can say that these games are chalk on paper, but they're not. Like one of these teams is going to. I don't even. I don't have the schedules memorized, but one of these playoff contenders is just going to go to Flagstaff and lose. Or, you know, Northern Colorado is just going to go on the road and beat somebody. You know, or Cal Poly is going to catch lightning in a ball. Like, you just never know, man. You never know when a backside block gets rolled into your best player's leg and then he's got out of the game and then all of a sudden your team is reeling. At the end of the day, man, it's like every coach will ever tell you. These guys get paid. Those guys are on scholarship, too. I mean, the coaching staffs in this league are really good. You never know when your team shows up flat. Like, you never know when your quarterback gets a fight with his girlfriend. Or You know, I mean, there's so many things, man. Like, these are kids, right? Like... There's so many factors that go into it, so we'll see. But I, 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 we'll mark it down. I, I only think three, not because I don't think there's quality teams in the league. I just think that uh, the league might get disrespected at the end of the day. Montana State hosts Idaho State this weekend. Montana heads to Moscow to play Idaho. I think it's actually a good scenario for the Grizzlies to have a rivalry game on the road uh, against a team that they'll be fired up for, but that they definitely are – uh, favored to win against. I think it could be a get-right game for Montana, and they need one real bad. And Montana State, I think it's a great final tune-up then heading into their bye week within Eastern Washington on the horizon. So I think that in terms of the opponents that await the two Montana schools, I think it couldn't be much more ideal. I would agree with you, especially from the Cats' perspective, too. Now, coming home, they beat Weber, kind of their their first hurdle. Their, their schedule sets up great for them. We're at home and then a bye. And I think that bye is important because you don't have to worry so much about a trap game, right? I mean, if you look at the standings right now, it's setting up for a showdown, probably for the league title in Cheney, first weekend in November. And yep. if you had that looming this week with a pesky Idaho State team, clearly, it is so clear at this point, Idaho State is that team that you when you were describing, 
about they're going to come up and just get you. Yes. They can beat anyone. They, they play to their level of competition. Sure. So I think they're going to come in and make, well, and make, make no mistake. These guys might be closer for their jobs now, too, at Pocatello. I mean, I think I believe it's a contract year. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. But, but I think that there's a lot uh, to be gained for Idaho State to have some success here down the stretch, even if their playoff hopes have already been dashed. And we have seen it with both Montana schools. If, you, if, if opposing teams can beat Montana or Montana State, it's worth like three to five wins. It seems like I think that scenario may be more true, Coulter, for the Vandal side of things. And that'll be, that'll just create interest. You have two, just quite frankly, pissed off teams playing each other this weekend in Moscow. So it'll create uh, quite the dilemma. And, you know, at this point, who knows what team's going to show up. It, it'll be interesting to see. But um, I do like it on paper for both the, the Cats and the Grizz this weekend. This has been the Montana Football Hour presented by Stockman Bank of Montana and Brett's RV and Marine of Missoula. Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. Thanks so much for being here, man. Always. Pleasure as always. Hour one in the books. Hour two coming at you. Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty, Marty Morningway here on ESPN Radio. Keep it dialed. It's 102.9 FM. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.